Cierto. Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show that talks about Star Wars movies, Star Wars comics, Star Wars um, audiobooks, but mostly, lately, and presumably for a while, we're going to be talking Star Wars TV, which is uh, lately... Andor, I am your host, uh, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. the Lord of Lore, and joining me is Lindsay, a.k.a. the Lady of Lore. Lindsay, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing, all things considered, pretty good. It's been, what, only like two, three weeks since we last spoke, but I feel like I've had just an entire world of things happen in that time. Yeah, like yeah. anything, anything, well, uh, let's say anything worth talking one, about? One dog tore her ACL, and that was a nice little surgery and a few weeks of her not going upstairs or being able to jump up on the couch. She still can't go downstairs, and as the world works, you know, the force moves in mysterious ways, <laughs> of course, in the middle of all that. We had been planning on getting this puppy since April. So it's not really something where we do that on, like, you know, a, a whim. So we knew since right. April that we were getting the specific dog this that weekend. So in the middle of uh, one dog with 20 staples in her leg, we got an eight-week-old puppy. So it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And we, we obviously love them both. But, uh, yeah, the past few weeks have not gone the way that they typically do. Yeah, that's... Um... That's that's crazy. That's actually pretty crazy. But the dog is cute. I have seen the uh, pictures of the new dog. Both dogs are very, very cute, um, by the way. But yeah, I did see pictures on Instagram of the new puppers, and I, I hope I hope everything's working out. I noticed that um, it's getting a little bit colder, and you made a rule that you wouldn't uh, house train a dog in the middle of the winter, but I don't know how it is in New York, but it's getting a little bit cold in Indiana. We have a few days left. And luckily when he was like, a, you know, we've had him two weeks now. So he's gotten quite a bit of training in, you know, he's a Jack Russell. So he's a brilliant dog. It's just a really smart breed. So luckily he's getting pretty good with the house training and he only goes out. He'll go out like every now and then at 2 a.m., and then between like five and seven. So it's not, and once he goes out, it's quick. So it's not a terrible amount of time spent in the cold. And then during the day, it's still like in the sixties here. So it's fine. Yeah. But like two, ah, oh man, two, eight. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, what is that like? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm realizing very quickly, like as we get closer to probably eventually having kids, I mean, we're not doing that anytime soon. Um, you know, but you know, within the next couple of years, I would imagine I'm like, holy shit, what am I going to do? Because I don't need a lot of sleep, but I need sleep. I need like consistent sleep. And just this week alone, we had to like kind of change our work schedule to, um, basically paint inside this restaurant that didn't want to close down, um, mm. while they were getting painted, which I get it. I mean, they need all the money they can get, especially post, uh, COVID, even though it is Indiana and COVID ended like two years ago, like 20, like three months into 2020. Um, they still, you know, they're this huge hit and we had, to, I had to get up at like three thirty in the morning and I was just like, Holy fuck. Like you feel great for two hours. And then I just hit a wall and it's just all kinds of weird. And I, I'm, I'm like, what am I going to do when I have children? Well, especially, I, I mean, thank God, do? though, you do have the 
um, home gym now because that's my thing. It's not even so much like the sleep. It's the total break in routine. So yeah, I'm getting mm-hmm. up early. I always used to get up early, but it was to go to the gym. Now it's like, I can't, I don't have time to get up, walk the puppy, go to the gym, get ready for work, get ready the, with the puppy again and, and all that. So it's not even like the lack of sleep. It's just the total break in routine, which yeah, once you, right. once you have kids, it's not going to be <laughs> much different. Yeah, I I mean, I can't imagine how busy that is. And I, I hate, I'm trying, I'm actually trying a different thing. I'm trying to avoid the word busy because it's like a no-brainer that almost everybody is busy. So I'm trying to use the word, I have a full schedule. Oh, and lately, like I've had a very full schedule. Because I mean, like, what is busy? Busy is like... Some people are actually like stuck in their jobs and that forces them to be busy. And while I do work a lot, I also do a lot of extracurricular things that fill up my schedule that I choose to do, but I I spend time doing that. And part of that has been building the home gym, which will eventually, when we actually, when we, you know, move, will be called the Sith Academy. So I got the idea that when we move, which we're not doing anytime soon, but we're trying to like kind of start plans of like maybe building, but it's terrible to build right now. But when we do that, um, I'm going to move all my star Wars stuff into a home gym and make like a star Wars gym. So, but right now it's just been trying to like make a garage gym. And even though it's a garage gym. I try not to half-ass anything, and the garage was the worst part of the house, and so it's been like super time-consuming getting that all set up, and then we got the rack and everything, and that's cool, but like, I also had ordered a lot of other shit that's just now coming in, so it's like every day we're doing something there, and then just regular life, and I've been doing a lot more music lately, so it's just like, ugh, it's, 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 it's fun because I don't like to limit my life. I don't ever want to be one of those people that lets work control my entire existence. It leads to, you know, sometimes being super, having uh, a time-consuming schedule, but also having a fulfilling one. So it's just, it's one of those type of things where lately it's just been like super crazy but I wouldn't give anything up and I'm not willing to so I just keep going but it's been it's been something I mean life alone (laughs) I mean even if you're not like me it's just I I was talking to people I was like dude we have like people have access to us 24 7 like when our grandparents had jobs even if they had like exec jobs they didn't have like emails yeah like they didn't have any of that. It was like, you got your work done at work. And when you left, like, if you got a phone call and you just so happened to be home, you could answer it. But it's like, nowadays, it's like, You're you literally, people have access to you. Oh, yeah. And it's it's just, it's it's insane. And finding balance is so tough. Um, but I wouldn't want to live it any other way, you know? I get that. A lot, different, I- lot different than six months ago when me and you both started the jobs how how is your job by the way like now that stuff has settled <laughs> it's, in it's a crazy i've gotten used to i'll say that much right i feel the yeah. same way we've been we're on our way to like a record-breaking Good year 
and we've been like two months out for like six months and it just never ends and with it getting colder i still have exteriors that i'm trying to finish oh, up. oh i didn't think of that oh yeah so it's like kind of trying to keep my interior projects knowing that we have them on our mind but like we also have to get to these exteriors and like one of the exteriors is this place we've been for a month and it's like the person who invented kitty litter and they they have like a mega mansion they own like the entire city basically um and it's it's just been it's it's been fun but Speaking of <laughs> other things that have been fun, oh, another great let's segment. talk about <laughs> from Zach and Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Andor uh, specifically because it's more like, like. Here's the thing: we're we're running through Andor's or Andor season, our episode four through six. Given that this is about the same arc. I think me and Lindsay are best when we just kind of let things oh, free flow into each other and not just like, I, I, I'm not a fan of like, especially since like the arcs are finished up in this uh, three episode um, portion. Uh, I think it's better to just kind of talk about the story overall instead of like, let's review episode by episode and trudge along as we go. Dude, I was let's just, just talk about and say yeah. we probably should have figured this off out offline but i'm so happy you think that too because that's what i was gonna push for no i mean that's the the wonder of like me and you spending all this time like even though i mean you got yeah are you are you we you are pushing almost a year on this show you're right i think so we need to have like a year bash even though i forget like when you specifically joined because everything is like a let's just say it now so we get to have a bash (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, um, me and you get each other, so we know how things yeah. kind of roll between no, us. So that's how we're gonna do it. Yeah. So let's let's pick up with Andor uh, specifically. Um, you know, let's just start off where he gets a job proposed to him about you know basically helping out these rebel insurgents. Um, actually, fuck that. I'm gonna change that, Lindsay. How are you liking Andor, and okay, how are you liking cool. this current storyline? Um, Let's change I'm that. I'm so happy you, you rephrased, too, because I had a question I've been eager to ask you, and I think my okay. answer will kind of set it up where, where you can debate me or not, but I'm amazed by this arc and where we're at in the storyline because I was excited, yes, to see the... You know, the the going-ons of Coruscant and to see the political machine. Like, I was very excited for that. I didn't think that was going to be the highlight of the show for me, whereas you did. And what I'm finding is, and this is no knock on the Andor storyline or the Rebel storyline, that's fantastic. We'll get into that. But what I'm really captivated by and drawn into every single week is the politics of it and what's going on on Coruscant and Mon Mothma. And it's, it's so cool because I don't know just yet why that is, right? I don't know if it's because it's intricate, because it's really not that intricate yet. And I don't think it's, you know, the, these incredibly charismatic actors, because I think the more charismatic actors are on the Andor storyline. I think what it is, is actually like the really cool... Two things. One is the really cool, subtle nods to things like Sly Moore 
and finding out a little bit like of these connections that we're used to from more the prequel trilogy than the original. I think that's a really inventive way to draw us in. But what I think is unreal is to see Mon Mothma's personal life. And we're not just seeing the overall and and the, the broad scheme of here's this big galactic empire, here's the politics, and here are the people controlling all of these other faceless people. I love that personal aspect that seems to really be drawing me in. I would agree with that. And I would say that that is um, one of the aspects that I'm really loving on the political side of it all with Mon Mothma and Rail and those two and, and the way that they talk to each other. And it's, it's fun because what I, it's fun seeing her personal life. And the, the, the thing about Mon Mothma is you are correct. There hasn't been a whole lot of, political uh, ramifications yet. I believe that after this arc, we're going to see the actual ramifications of what the Empire, how they react to all this. Um, But I love seeing someone trying to fight a fight during a double life while also being a mother and a wife and dealing with the weight of those double lives and how everything is kind of like crashing down on her. And we still don't really know who knows what. And so it's it's nice seeing like her having conversations with Rail and it's strictly business and it's all they're talking about and you know he's double checking her she's double checking him uh at his shop but then what does she do she gets in the car and she goes home and you see that her family's kind of in a broken like she doesn't have a good home life and it's probably due to the weight of how busy she is and what she does and how not only is her duties as a politician fronting for the empire now, but it's also her duties trying to start presumably a rebellion Which her family seems and how to it takes about, it's not like Bale no. and Brea where they were on the same page and working together. It truly is a double life. Right. And it, and, and the toll that it has taken because it is very clear in her family's eyes that she is specific about what she wants. She is precise. But she is also taken completely in by her job. And she has no no real room for her family in her life. At least she wants to be, but she can't. She can't keep up with her, her family. And, you know, the, the show kind of so far has made her husband seem like a pretentious dick, but it's not even fair to say at that point because we have no idea what he's been through dealing with Mon Mothma. And while Mon Mothma is still a hero trying to start this deep-seated rebellion, she hasn't... She hasn't... I want to check you on something real quick. We can't say she's a hero because she is not a hero yet. The hero she's going yes. to be. The hero and that, that she's and going that's, to I be. Think she's really an interesting thing that we kind of have to keep in mind with a lot of these characters is, yeah, we know where this ends, but they don't know that they're a hero and they don't know that they're, you know, going to one day be chancellor of a new republic. It's like to her, she's just this one little face. And correct me if I'm wrong, at least it was a surprise for me. 
we in canon never had, or, or even legends that I can think of, never had any mention of her family life before. No, I think this, this is, is 100% totally, new. Yeah. So that's why it's so cool I, is to, to build on that and make it more complicated where it's not just like, oh, here's this cool origin story. It's like, oh, here's this cool origin story. Yeah, but it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel like um, even, I mean, it is an origin origin story, but it doesn't feel like an origin story. It feels like a person. And that's the over. That's the overall of all of this show is everybody feels like a person with their yeah. own motivations, with their own driving force. Nobody is a character, like a character of in, in a story. They're all people in this universe. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from Andor as a whole in the series. But with Mon Mothma, it's nice to see somebody who is trying to do the right thing and her whole personal life is collapsing because of it. Yes, because I think you're correct. While we know her to become a hero, she is somebody that is in the very foundation of this stuff and she has no idea where it's going. She just knows she wants to help and it's fascinating to watch somebody kind of dig and undermine but everything else is blowing up with her what what also is really nice to see is the way the scars guard stellan plays uh rail is like he changes that i think that was one of the coolest things of episode four is when he's you know got his get up with andor and he's talking to cassian about it and then the the reveal that he, he's changing his wig and he's changing his outfit and he's going yeah. to a, a double life and you can tell not only that i love that the, the, the way he starts to change and rehearse how he just moves his hands so it's not just like and a, practices yeah, it in front yeah, of us it's not just like a simple outfit change it's it's this rehearsed thing i think that's something we haven't really seen before not just in star wars but honestly kind of anywhere but the most fascinating part out of all of that, which is why you get Estelle in Skarsgård, which is like to me, it is still mind blowing that he's in the show because he is one of the biggest, like mm-hmm. highest name actors in the game right now. Whether or not he's the the rock A lister going in all the blockbusters, that's irrelevant. He is a savant of the art. No, he's someone like, that you, his... you don't expect on like every red carpet, but you expect at the Academy Awards every year. Like his children are all. No. movie stars but yet he is still the it's biggest branded, yeah. movie star and alex was in the fucking northman and has done uh tarzan and has has led blockbuster after blockbuster but papa skarsgård is still the fucking man <laughs> make that clear right now but the, the best part about that is the uh, this character at the end of the day, it's all about people. And I'm going to repeat this multiple times because I think that's the biggest part about the show is these people getting to be these people. Um, because when you see that, you see him you know, talking to Cassie and he changes his, his wig and he starts acting. He starts kind of getting back into that routine. But there are very clear moments in the, in the show where he has his wig on and he's talking to people in his store and he secretly goes in the back room and has moments with himself, as himself, with no character. And you see that. You, you see that he goes in the back of the store and he's allowed to actually just be himself and, and take care. And his whole eyes change. His, mm-hmm. his posture changes. Everything about him changes 
And it's these moments with himself that are truly magical to watch unfold in this story because it's very it's very entertaining. One, it's fun to watch good writing and it's fun to watch good characters. But it's not only just that, it's also very entertaining to see him have his moment with himself and then walk back into the front of the store and turn it on because that's what we do. Like, not that we are different people, but like I'm I, I have a lot of I wear a lot of different hats in my work. And it's not that I change as a person, but there's times where in in the work field you have to turn it on and then you get in your van, you, you do your estimate, you say, hi, how are you doing? You talk to people about their products and what you do, but then you get back in your van and you're right back to yourself. And that's so relieving to see that kind of play in this universe because the biggest thing that George Lucas wanted when he made this was he wanted a lived-in universe. And I think at some point in Star Wars, we kind of lost the people part of the lived-in universe. And I think Andor doubles down on the people living in the universe, not just the aesthetic of a, you know, a couple of scuff marks on a building or a rough-looking saloon or cantina. It's the actual people. And you see that with all the characters. You see it with Marva Andor, played by Fiona Shaw, you see it with um, the uh, Siren Karn. Like, everybody wears their hat that they have to wear. And then they also get moments with themselves. And he is fascinating to watch. Um, and I also have to side note so we don't forget, totally fucking sick as hell that they put star killer armor in the background of that shop. There's so like, many did anybody, good little, did you notice that? I, I noticed it afterwards. I did not notice it the first time around, but there are so many incredible little Easter eggs just sprinkled in like either through for legends for prequel, whatever it is. But like this, I think is the best that we've seen any of the Easter eggs. No, because yeah, absolutely. Because they mentioned one thing and I, I think I text you and I know you were busy, but um, I said, <laughs> "Holy!" I said, "Holy fuck!" They mentioned Ricotta Prime, like, like yeah, they mentioned the, the Ricotta yeah. Empire, and that to me was like, "Whoa!" Like Star Wars has been doing this thing anyway, where they like drop little things and then never follow through. But I don't care. That is such a deep cut that clearly, they, they I don't. This show doesn't have anything about it, but the fact that it actually like existed is kind of a huge thing. It's kind of, for me, it's big and I'm not going to put much thought in the context of like Andor or even go down speculative stuff, but it's, it was just so cool to get a confirmation that no, these, these beings were around too. And it's like star Wars is starting to like finally kind of take these legends things. And, and and it at least shows that there might not be a plan for this recounted empire, but they, they do exist. It, yeah. And so eventually, maybe someday it might be a thing. But I it, have it to was say, it's though, just... my favorite Easter eggs were actually Skeen's tattoos. Okay, I didn't notice those. So yeah, so it. they start to get into more of like a like by the hand and more into Jedha and and all that stuff. But then it's also here's the barcode, here's the prison, you know, basically the Holocaust number on him so there's there's all these little nods and easter eggs that i think are really going to tie this together not just for legends or um the prequels but like eventually this has to go back to rogue one right and i think stuff like that is a nice subtle way 
But the reason it's my favorite Easter egg is not so much what it shows us. It develops the character more. I think it's it's always cool to see a little Easter egg in the background of a shot or something like that. But it's something like the the um, Camino cloning logo in the Mandalorian. Like we learn something about these characters through certain Easter eggs. And maybe you pick up on it, maybe you don't. The character is still going to be the character, but if you pick up on it, it just means all the much more. But before we get too distracted with that, what I want to go back to is your point about people being people and really actually start to tie the Andor storyline into the political storyline. Another transition. (laughs) We're going to have to talk about Andor when we're talking about three episodes of the show titled Andor. Um... But no, how about we just do like a, a filibuster where I just bitch about the lack of Jedi, <laughs> Listen, like everybody thinks I'm going to do, good. and then throw in some snide remarks about Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, hey, so, so character for you. Um, no, but one thing I think is really cool with the Skarsgård thing, it, it's not just the private moments that Joe sees the person. What was the biggest thing for me is at the end of episode five when he has that private moment of he's genuinely concerned about the mission. And he is just sitting there at the radio waiting and waiting and waiting for some kind of transmission. And for me, it wasn't even just a, oh, was this a success or not? It was like, are they okay or not? And I think a moment like that where he's that vulnerable and he has who I'm assuming is his wife, there to kind of like ease him away from it and and talk him down. I thought that was a really big moment. You're talking about rail, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. And, and you can feel the, you can feel the tense, uh, how tense the entire mission and how important it is to the show. And we don't even know, like, as of right now, what they're doing with all of that, why they wanted that specific attack, what they wanted to achieve aside from money. Because, you know, I, I would assume that that money would help fund things. I'm thinking more supplies, too, though. Yeah, supplies yeah. and funding for the actual war while also taking a hit. I mean, this is still very early. Um, but That's yeah, the initial I, I would thought, agree but I feel like, too, after episode six it got so much, so much deeper because now we have the empire starting to fuck with these like religious ceremonies, right? And they are deterring all the people and they're they're starting to talk a little bit more about their plans for this civilization. And it doesn't sound like they're going to enslave people, but it sounds like they are going to at least entrap them to go against their own ideals, right? So we're starting to see more of the big bad empire and not just in a, oh, they're bad, kind of way so for me it gets a little bit deeper because it's not just okay here's this insurgency and here's this one cell of what will become the rebellion trying to get these funds and trying to get these supplies it's also a little bit deeper of this is ruining cultures and this is ruining people's lives and maybe there's a bit of a protection behind it yeah and i i couldn't help but watching these episodes and I, I want to get to the end a little bit later. I don't, I don't like okay. it, just want to go right there. Um, but there's a realization like during these episodes that like Cassian has had 
he's going to be at like the start of this thing and to watch it unfold to even the level of where he gets in rogue one is going to be fascinating to watch because yes, we do have rebels and we do kind of see a certain side of that, but you know that the, the, this entire rebellion is, is a lot of different moving parts. Not, I mean like rebels is just one little story in this whole thing. And so watching Cassian boots on the ground He's going to be at the start of all of this. And it's weird because we've talked about, um, you know, Andor. It's like, what's the point of the show? We know where he ends up. But there is so much, there is so much to go off of and to, and to see where things lead with him in this process um, of discovering who he is and where he ultimately ends up. That I've, with, within the first two episodes of the show, I completely forgot about all of that. And even even in uh, episode six, there's a point where he gets put in a heavy corner. And I actually forgot that he is in Rogue One because the, the the how tense the situation was. I was like, oh, fuck, like he's really getting hit up like this. This is bad. Like this is bad. And you you feel that in in this show that kind of eliminates um, what you kind of know going into it. Um, I want to talk about the, the rebel, um, heist builders. Uh, they don't really have like class names yet. So it's like, it's kind of hard to really put them in, but no, heist builders. The, it's very ocean 11 of you. It, yeah. And, and well, that's, that's what this is to me. To me, this whole thing was, was a heist. Um, but it wasn't like ocean 11s in the sense that everybody had a specific, like super skill. Everybody was like, what the fuck are we doing? And there was paranoia throughout the whole camp. And I loved that. I loved how paranoid they were to, to see Cassian. And I loved watching the fact that it's like, they don't trust him. And in my head, I don't know if I trust him at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he'll do. I think he's a good guy, but I think he's a lost guy. And I think he's desperate. So their paranoia kind of gets built by these characters that really the people watching are wondering, So, should we trust him right now? I think the cool thing here, and I, I know we don't want to jump to the end of the arc just yet, but the payoff here of that paranoia where, you know, we, we know as viewers, like, Andor's great. He's going to be one of the good guys, kind of like Mon Mothma. She's going to be a hero. For us, it's it's a little different watching. Where I think the payoff comes in is, again, I hate to skip to it, but unfortunately at the end where it pays off in a way you don't ever expect, you know, for, for them to realize who the real, I don't want to say bad guy is in the heist group, but for Andor to do this terrible thing to scheme, you know, he kills him right point blank, but maybe it was deserved. And then we have a, God, what's his what's his it's, face? It's Eben. Uh, well, I got the, I got it. Uh, the actor is Eben Moss Backrack, and he plays Avril Skeen. And um, I, I'm glad that you're mentioning that um, because I think he's the breakout of. I mean, there's two breakouts in this cast, and I loved everybody in the cast. I would say that Nemec was a great character. Yeah, that's and I, I Nemec is the other one. But like seeing that how that played out to me, I thought he was a breakout. Did you? 
Absolutely, but I, I think the standouts for me were uh, Faye Marseille, who plays Vel uh, yeah. Sar- Sartha, Vel, and Skeen, um, just because with Vel, you can see a f- she's very fierce, and she's very focused, and but even then, you can kind of see there are cracks in her, and there are there is damage that has been done. She is... Um, very skilled in her job yet nobody knows she she doesn't know none of them know what they're doing really i mean they all have things that they specialize in and things that they could do but they don't and that's the fun thing about like them all going over the plan and cassian's like no you can't fly that ship like you can't do that like do you guys know like they will get us every single time the best scene was the whole uh you know why would you switch them he goes well he's left-handed that's the whole like, all right, Cassian knows this, Andor's gonna be the boss, he deserves this, and yeah, it was an enlightening moment for everyone else. I just think it was such a such a great moment though, of maybe they really don't know what they're doing. Maybe they haven't really thought this through. And the biggest thing of all is maybe they don't really have their groove yet, right? It's kinda like season one of Rebels where they're all trying to figure each other out, but they aren't there yet. Like we know what it turns into. We know it turns into the first cell really of the big insurgency, but here it doesn't work. I like that. We see it not working. Yeah. And I, I like the comparisons of having this cast of people that they get you introduced to. And it and it completely playing out completely how it are completely different than it does in Rogue One, whereas in Rogue One, Cassian really starts to love these people and and you know they're capable and he's done it and he's a veteran and he knows but he still mistrusts and maybe that mistrust started here at this very moment. With I mean, he he never really trusts anybody anyway, but, that's but an interesting with this point. team having such a... Because yeah, the, I mean, with this team having the fallout. In, but that, so in Rogue One, like, you watch it, maybe I'm the only one who had this perspective. I always assumed it's because he was with a group that was working for a while, blah, 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 and then it didn't, right? Here we see, maybe he never saw it work. Maybe things never really turned into, you know, the ghost crew for him. And that's why he's so apprehensive going into Rogue One. Like, it, it, I, I'm really curious to see if six weeks from now we watch Rogue One, if we have an entirely different spin on Rogue Squadron. Right. And I think that, you know, if I were to predict a lot of this show, we'll have the cast that he does trust. You know, uh, Bix would be one of them. You know, his yeah. his mother. Um, you, he'll do you think probably we'll go back have there? a. Uh, not for a minute, but I, but I think this is going to be, uh, I mean, yeah, I, she, you know, um, you got to follow the actresses and Adriana Ajorna is a bigger name actress. She's not an A-lister by any means, but she's been in a lot of big roles, which means that she's probably going to be a reoccurring character and, and kind of what they built, uh, with that camaraderie between them. They do have a trust for each other. I, I don't know how much her involvement... I, I think it's more groundwork right now, but I think he'll have a handful of people that he truly trusts, and that's it. And I, I think this isn't going to be the only team that he 
has uh, bad dealings with. I think he's going to see a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to die in this show. And I think we're going to care a lot about these people. Yay. And when they turn, I think, I think it's going to be one of those things where we're going to feel that because like a uh, skein, the actor, Eben, uh, yeah, he's, he's, um, he's an amazing actor because I just rewatched the Punisher and he plays, um, what is it? Micro in that. And he plays such a good broken character, but then you see him in a show called the bear on Hulu and he plays this like Chicago dickhead. And he's so good at that too. So here's, and he had such a wide range. I'm so, not saying based on the actors, like, yeah, there are big names coming in now and, and maybe they're not big names when they start, but they are now. Here's my issue. I don't want Andor to keep going back every three episodes and having this reset, right? Like, I'm fine. I don't think he will. I'm just saying that he trusts her and she'll reoccur. But I I would rather that in, like, season two, right? We know this is already slated for multiple seasons. My issue is, are they going to keep going back and doing this reset where it starts to feel too much like The Mandalorian? Where And this this is no knock, right? Obviously, that's a great TV show, but the entire not premise but the the entire formula for mando is here is this overarching theme and this overarching not even theme it's a conflict and here's all these little side missions that we go on i don't want andor to be the side mission show i want if we're gonna go back to bix if we're gonna go back to the mother let that be season two let him really and truly start to flesh out who he is on his own and in this group. And then we can go back to Bix. I think that's going to, that's going to happen. Um, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I think with this season, he's going to be caught up in a new world, which is what he's been dropped into in this arc. I think eventually he will come back a better man, not with it all figured out, but I think he'll come back home by the end of the season just to, you know, say like, I've changed, I'm doing something with myself, actually. Like, I'm not just this lost soul in the middle of the galaxy trying to find my way while ground is slipping. Like, I actually know where I belong. And I think he'll need, he'll he'll just need to be around people that he fully trusts because I think what the show is going to do um, for, the, for the rest of this season and on is finding, I mean, being around people who don't have his trust. And I think that's very evident. But I want to say one thing about his trust getting breaking, broken. And I want to go back to Skeen because the, the point that I want to make about the actor um, who plays Skeen is in episode five, when he talks, shares a story, it might be four or five, they're blended. Uh, when he talks about the story of his brother getting killed and his wife getting killed, I bought that. I bought oh, I that too. shit. I bought that lie and I felt for him. And I understood in that moment, I was like, okay, this is why this guy has trust issues. This is why he's checking on everything. So when they pulled that reveal, All right, here's, here's I was like, I might disagree with you though. And I, I think this is something that I won't really know for another six weeks until this all wraps up. I'm not convinced that was a great reveal. I think it might've been easy writing. See, I would disagree with you so hardcore. Why? Because because I really bought into him 
doing that. I bought into his, the reason why he joined. So when he said, you know, I do have these reasons, but 40, 40 million credits is 40 million credits. Why don't you say we go out in there and skate? I think it completely broke and or like you can't trust anybody even in this world. And I didn't see him make that flip because he did care about Nimix. He did care about these people. But at the end of the day, he saw money was money and he wanted to cut and run. And that just like tore the the trust that I had in this character. Because once he started talking about that and, and started talking about his family, I bought into his motivations because of a lot of the Star Wars, um, you know, stereotypes. So I was I was eager to buy into it, and it made me really see his motivations. So going throughout that entire heist, I was hoping he was going to make it out alive. Like, out of everybody, I wanted him to make it out alive because I thought that those two were going to be a rogue group. Uh, or I thought those two were going to mesh well, and they were going to be a... Uh, like a team together they they jive they had chemistry to where like he didn't trust him and he didn't trust him but yeah we're but starting to trust each other not, and i could see where things not, were going so when it got ripped out i just totally bought into it i just the i just bought into it's it it's a great reveal because to me a great reveal is something along the lines of the sixth sense where once once you have that moment you can go back and rewatch it and realize all the clues they left sixth sense fight club like those are great reveals because the second time around when you know the twist you're like oh my god i'm an idiot for not seeing that coming i want to see if you know come 2023 we go back and re we we rewatch this are we going to have those moments of i should have seen that coming or is it easy writing because they were able to just here's this character you met him a week ago you like the actor he says this you trust him (laughs) haha we're kidding Right. That's, that's easy writing. Shot, I, maybe to you, but I, I'm saying, and I, I'm not saying it's not even really easy writing. I'm saying I bought into okay. it, and it and it made me feel bad. Like, I felt really upset that this dude was doing it. I was like, man, why are you doing this? The whole time that he was starting to make his spiel about it, it was like, in my head, I'm like, dude, he just started doing the right thing. Started to like instead of like getting the job done, he said, "No, let's take Nimic to the doctor. We need to fix the. We need to fix him." Like he started to care, just to be reminded that everybody else was a piece of I shit. I think that makes Andor Again, better and as I a think- character, though, because he does not necessarily <laughs> stay in this fight for the next however many years. Because of, oh, I like these people; they're my family. It's like no, no, no. He no, clearly I, I, hates these I, people, I do too. and he sees something else deeper going on. I think that's what makes I Di- do too. Nate, Diego Luna, Jesus, Andor, a great character, but it makes Diego Luna an amazing actor, and I love him forever. I I do too, but I'm simply saying that the actor who played Skeen did a very good job flipping yeah. the switch, and because me, as somebody who was watching it, felt that rug rip under, like, oh man, don't do this shit. Like, I don't, don't know, man. Do I kind of think a better actor would still leave you with those doubts. So when that twist happens, you're like, oh yeah, I should have known better. Well, look at you shitting on my show. <laughs> you know what? I like it, and I thought How it was good. And you know what? Story. I I, I would like to offer. Way? I would like to offer one more thing. This might seem a little far fetched, but I would like to offer one thing because when he shot him, okay. Part of me in my head thought that that guy was just testing Andor. Like, he was starting the spiel 
and he was going to that that would be like his final test of character for Andor and Cassian shot him. So, part of me is thinking like, you know, cuz at the end of the episode, he shoots him, he walks in, he finds out Nimic's dead, he points a gun at uh, uh, Vel and he goes, "I'm taking my money and I'm getting the fuck out." And she's like, "All right, well, I mean, I guess I can't you got a gun on me. I can't do anything." Well, let's find out what happens later on because part of me says down on the road that he shot that dude too early and that that he was testing him as like a final act of like putting him in the group like or putting better. him or or having his trust that was part yeah. of what i was saying is as the flip switch i'm like oh dude don't do that like that's a mistake why are you making this but then when he shot him i was like what if he was just ball checking him because that's what he did the whole time that's what he was doing he was he was dude everybody was shooting crotch shots at clem which is like that that sounds like an std name like he you should never trust a guy named clem like what fucking name do we just pick clem clem sounds like a star wars std and it's like you should not trust this motherfucker from the start you listen anybody here listening if you find somebody and their name is clem i'm sorry if you're listening and your name is clem but if you are clem just fucking run this guy is not trustworthy (laughs) or girl whoever they are if they're named clem get get the fuck out because that was a that was a sketchy name from the start i love like, both of them are just like yeah clem. okay yeah clem. who the fuck are you gonna be oh i'm gonna be I, i'm clem i'm clem who's clem where you come from clem i ah, don't worry about it forget about it i'm here for the mission i also love how it's like, clem your boy like, clem will a name like clem you'll blend in anywhere it's like i'm sorry if someone introduced themselves to me as clem i would be like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Right, like Cassian has charm to it. Cassian, the name just sounds like it's smooth, exactly like the character actually is when he's on his A-game. Clem is like, bro, I grew up in Narshada and we seen some <laughs> shit. Like, there was a lot of huts, and we went through the rough parts. We got like, all the slime. Clem is in Harlem, like, for sure. Like, so wait, here's my... Like, 100%. Here's the real predicament we're in. You and I clearly disagree on one essential point, which means we need a tiebreaker, which means we need Drew. Whoever Drew agrees with, (laughs) are we the winner or the loser? (laughs) Well, I can can tell you right now that you're probably going to be the winner because me and Drew uh, rarely agree on a lot of things. If Drew agrees with me, does that really make me a winner? I don't know. I mean, because like I still feel how I feel, so it's like I really don't care if you win because I still think that was a great reveal and it, it like broke me. And I'm I'm fascinated by, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because I've been seeing a lot of that actor a lot lately, yeah. and I just bought into things a lot more because I've been watching his work um, lately. Um, but I I do one other thing that I think is is um, important about this is Nemec and and who he is and how he ultimately meets his end, I thought that I really liked the writing where it was a very random thing that got him. It wasn't like, oh, Nemec is going down because he got shot by a stormtrooper. Or he said, go, just leave me. Ah, remember my name. And the door shuts. And then just like, you know, he's getting bombed. Like, he died basically off friendly fire for the mission like cassian punches it like he's supposed to doing his job and that money just 
backfires and breaks him. And I'm appreciative at how grounded the story is because it is Star Wars, and we do have like the 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 mes- lost Vespa Vespa group riding around in their little Vespas <laughs> with their um, with their body attachments, like it's Cyberpunk 2077. But I like how something very random that was a part it was a creative way to show loss in 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 the show um because it was friendly fire like 100% i mean not really like in the the actual sense of it all like Cassian didn't straight up like get him killed but part of the mission got him killed and i thought that that was important to show and it was uh creative to show because it's heartbreaking because it was such a an error of judgment for him standing behind that and it showed that everybody was still green like he didn't think he's a smart individual nemic and he didn't think like oh we're about to press it i'm standing right behind this money it's going to fly at me i thought it was such a uh, a green mistake and that loss seemed even worse because of how it was made. Well, every, everything about that character from start to finish, though, was so original and well done, both in the writing and in the acting. Because how often do we get a character, again, not just in Star Wars, but anywhere, like that, where, hey, look, I'm here, I'm going to pick up a gun, not because I'm angry, not because, you know, I have this terrible rage inside me, but because fundamentally, I think it's the right thing to do. It's this weird, like, philosopher meets warrior type of archetype that we don't really get to see all that often. And I can't think of anyone that I could really, truly compare him to, again, in Star Wars or out of Star Wars. So for me, it's it's a very fitting death because I, I love that it pulled at your heartstrings, first of all. Um, but it's a fitting death because it's so unique and it's so original. And, and that's what I mean. And a lot of the show kind of pulls a lot of different yeah. things out of me so far, which is, it's refreshing. Yeah. Like, it's this so is like refreshing we, we to said get. last time, this is kind of the first show in a while where you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to absolutely love this show. This is for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's one of those things where I'll, I'll double down and say it like, you could put this story in anything. It just so happens to be exactly in the Star Wars exactly. universe. I feel like this is like the Band of Brothers version of, of Star Wars. Yeah, um, and I think that I think it's just it's really refreshing, and it, it it makes me feel a lot of different ways, like how good this show is. Because it makes me sad for some of the things that we've gotten that maybe yes. I don't yep. like, and it doesn't make me it doesn't make me um, you know reflect and go negative about Star Wars, but it's like man, if if Ray and Finn, I mean, like, look, I know you have a different different uh, mentality than I do, or, and you like you like Rise of Skywalker a lot. I'm not here for that debate, but I'm just saying like. If Ray had this kind of focus yeah. on her as a character, if Finn had this kind of focus on him, where he, you know, and they were very much characters. I'm not saying they weren't. They were very much characters. But it's just like there is so much depth in this show, and it's not like um, right, here's my, here's my uh, even rebuttal. another thing. 
you're comparing eight hours of storytelling to 24 hours because again this is slated for two seasons already plus more so you can you right, can but, you really compare eight hours to 24 hours yes i can because there are many movies where characters <laughs> um Touché, sir. there are yeah there are very there i mean like it's all in the writing to me and it's all in the directors and the writing chair and how that script gets made into the um director's booth and the editing chamber and i i'm not going on a tangent uh about like mistakes of star wars i'm just saying i wish we would have gotten this out of other characters in star wars that i really love and it's not because of tv you know very much like there was depth in obi-wan because ewan mcgregor is fucking awesome and they but had there was a lot of characters there was to lay that depth. You know, they had, so that, they had that, the prequels. But, they had books that, like Brotherhood come out right beforehand. I think it's really cool but that, that we was don't a have show. ancillary material to this. But but but, but that was a yeah. show. That was that was a show. And my point is, Obi Wan, the character in that Obi Wan show, was great, but he was surrounded by characters and not people. And that's why I think this show truly stands out because there is depth and there is acting chops in Diego Luna, but he is also in the plot, in the yeah. written story, surrounded by characters. Um, what is the woman who plays uh, in Obi-Wan? She's the Imperial officer that has the uh, path. Uh, Tala? Yes. Could you imagine if Tony Gilroy had wrote Tala? what more you would get like that actress did the very oh, best you could possibly do too. within the story. And she was a great character, but could you imagine if we had, if every character in Obi-Wan had those kind of feelings and we also had a little bit more time, like we already have had with this current like cast of team members, it, it would have, it would have added more depth. And I think this is just so original and I want to make it, I want to make one thing noted because this is the first thing that I've written down that I wanted to absolutely make sure we talk about on the show in a long time, like some kind of big note in fandom. We are always obsessed with our actors, even though half the time they lie to us, (laughs) our directors, even though half the time they lie to us being fans of the material. Like everybody says, I love it. I love it. I'm the biggest fan. And I do believe that J.J. Abrams, I do believe that Ryan Johnson, I believe everybody that has directed Star Wars is a massive fan. And so they've taken their versions based on them being fans. What is fucking awesome about this show is Tony Gilroy has been documented as not giving a fuck about Star Wars. He is not a fan of Star Wars, yet he is writing Star Wars. So I think it's important to know or to mention that sometimes you don't have to hire the fan of Star Wars to be in Star Wars. You have to hire somebody who has a take on it. And who doesn't actually like look into it from a fan's perspective and looks at it with an outside view. And I think it's working. Whatever Tony Gilroy is doing, it's working because he doesn't he was not a fan of it. He came in to re or to save Rogue One because somebody asked him to do a job and he did his job and he did it well. And then he saw these characters and says, you know what? I think I got something more. But he didn't do it because, you know what? I want to live in Star Wars because I'm a huge fan. No, he had a take. He had some inspiration just stepping into this universe that made him want to make this show. 
And I think that's important to notice because us as a fandom is super obsessed with our um, writers and our people being massive fans. And, you know, as, as much as I love to say how much I love Batman versus Superman and I love Zack Snyder's take, um, some of his stuff that rub people the wrong way, like Batman versus Superman, just so happen to be these takes that are coming from somebody who's a super fan. Zack Snyder was obsessed with The Dark Knight Returns, which is why you get this very dry feel in those movies. That's why you get Batman vs. Superman being as dry as it is, because it's coming from arcs that he is obsessed over for years. And then you get somebody like Robert Pattinson, who is just doing a job in the Batman, and you know, in my opinion, does a really, really good job. It doesn't, you don't need to be a, a massive fan. And so I just want to like say hats off to Tony Gilroy and us as fandoms should be more open to people having uh, a take that steps into our universes instead of like just being obsessed with people who are nerds like us. I think they're both important. Kevin Smith is a huge nerd that has made a career off of being a nerd. Um, but it's not, it doesn't require it. There's Dave Filoni's and there's Tony Gilroy's and they both have things to offer. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Amen, dude. Amen. I feel like that's the perfect note to end on because I could not possibly say better or argue anything. AOA, it's it's the show. That 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 was the show there, kids. Um yeah, it, it, where can you find Sit Talk? Well, it's easy. You can find Sit Talk on the Clashing Sabres network. Um so that's where you find the show. Um, and you can find us on Clashing Sabers Instagram. We have a Facebook group that is called the Clashing Sabers Facebook group. You can find me at Sith Talker 25. I'd say that I've been talking about Star Wars comics and movies, but really I've just been talking about my home gym and, and um, barbecue and, and all of that. I will eventually get back to that. Um, but that is what I've been talking about. So you can find me there, Lindsay, um, where can they find you? And also tell us more about what we do at clashing sabers. Yeah, So best place to find me personally is actually on our Facebook group. Uh, just make sure you tag me at Lindsay Gadaddy. Um, unfortunately it seems like they are a couple of days delayed, but I promise I see them eventually. However, what's more important than finding me is finding clashing sabers network and understanding what exactly it is we do. On our podcast network, we do have all these different shows like Sith Talk, our flagship show, Don't Burn the Sacred Text, um, Selfish Plug for all the ones I'm in. But what's more important is aside from just the podcasting network, we are also a nonprofit. So our goal is to get as many books as possible into as many schools and classrooms as possible throughout the country, especially those who might not be able to do so themselves. So if you join our Patreon page, Every single dollar that you donate throughout the month goes directly to that mission. Absolutely nothing goes to ourselves or advertising or equipment. Everything goes right back into our mission. If you cannot donate financially, we totally understand that. What we ask of you is to go to our website, ClashingSabers.net, and actually just fill out a form for any schools or teachers that you know of that might actually need some of these books and stories in their own libraries. So Patreon, Facebook, ClashingSabers.net, these are the best places to find us and to lend a helping hand. Guys, that'll do it for this episode of Sith Talk. And until next time, raise hail 
and praise Dale. <laughs> Get out. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?